I'm Madeline Brand, and you're listening to Examining the Nuclear Deal with Iran. The success or failure of the Iran nuclear deal is, in part, based on nuclear science. How much nuclear material is needed for a bomb, and how fast can that material be developed? One group that's been researching these questions is the Bipartisan Policy Center. We spoke with the director of its national security program, Blaise Mishtal. So you have spent a lot of time looking at this deal, and how effective would you say it is in preventing Iran from getting a nuclear weapon, both in the short and the long term? Well, I I think that question of timeline is important. Um, The major concessions or the major restrictions that the deal puts in place on Iran's nuclear program uh, begin to end after 10 years, and most of them are are phased out after 15 years. So in that initial 15-year period, I, I think that this deal does do a pretty good job of ensuring that Iran is not going to try to attain a nuclear weapons capability. I I think it's a a bigger question uh, what it will do after those 15 years end, uh, and it's allowed under the terms of this deal and, and in fact, sort of permitted uh, to develop a much larger nuclear uh, program with many centrifuges enriching, multiple enrichment sites, multiple nuclear reactors, uh, at which point it could, if it decided to, uh, try to get a nuclear weapon much more quickly than it can today. How quickly? Uh, so according to the calculations that we've done, uh, by year 16 of this deal, it'll be able to get a nuclear weapon uh, in about three weeks. Okay, so three weeks. However, uh, President Obama has said that there will still be active and very thorough monitoring after year 15. And are you satisfied that there will be uh, an adequate international monitoring system in place to prevent Iran from developing a nuclear bomb? Well, monitoring doesn't prevent uh, attempts to develop nuclear weapons. Monitoring catches attempts to develop nuclear weapons. So the question is, uh, will monitoring be able to detect something quickly enough, and then will there be enough time to mount a response that would be able to stop any attempt to get a nuclear weapon? And I believe the fear is that uh, once that breakout timing is, is, is less than four weeks, uh, then it becomes really hard for, for the monitoring, no matter how good it is, combined with the political process that has to follow once cheating is caught to actually uh, lead to an effective response. So I do think there is going to remain effective monitoring in place after the year 15, um, but once that timeline gets down to p- past four, four weeks, um, you really get into a bit of a gray zone. Uh, where you really have to take very quick, decisive military action if you hope to do anything. Uh, as we've seen, sanctions take multiple years to, to even be put in place, let alone take effect. So, so it's not a question of sanction. It's not a question of the monitoring. It's a question of the action you take once the monitoring detects cheating. And the president has said that military action is a possibility if that's needed. Does that um, assuage any of your fears? Well, I I think it's uh, definitely been one of the president's strong suits that he has maintained throughout the entirety of of the negotiations with Iran and now looking forward into the next 15 years and beyond that the military option has always remained on the table to prevent uh, a nuclear Iran with, I think, the understanding that everyone shares that that is by far the the least preferred option to do so. Um, 15 years is definitely a long time, um, and it is possible that you could have uh, one of two things happen. One is having 
some form of regime change in Iran. I think the important thing to, to remember is we're not just concerned with Iran having nuclear weapons because we want to stop proliferation. We're concerned with all the other activities that the Iran regime conducts in the region, the fact that it funds terrorism, that it supports uh, the murderous regime in, 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 in Syria, that it has started a civil war in Yemen, um, and what it would be able to do if it had nuclear weapons. So the, if, uh, if we were confident that there was a different regime with a different set of priorities in Iran, that I think we'd be much less concerned with what happens 15 years from now. Or possibly if we had greater leverage on Iran, whether that's military, economic, or diplomatic. Um, but looking forward 15 years and, and both the dynamics that are currently in place in the region uh, as well as the other uh, effects and consequences of this deal, I, I think there's reason to think that it might not be the case that we will have the same level of, of, of leverage and, and the same level of military capability against Iran that we do today. What kind of policies do you think the United States needs to consider moving forward, um, aside from this deal, in order to prevent some of the things you've been talking about in terms of um, arming terrorist groups mm -hmm. and and getting their hands on weapons that could destabilize the region and provide, you know, a threat to Israel, for example? Yeah. Well, I, well, I think, uh, ironically one of what is seen as the positive developments of this deal is reopening uh, you know, the possibility of greater diplomatic engagement between Tehran and Washington uh, and, and breaking what was effectively three decades of, 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 of mistrust. Uh, but at the same time, um, the, the most practical and pragmatic policy response to this deal is to spend the next 15 years investing in, in regime change in Iran what will best serve the interests, not just the United States, but I think the Middle East and the Iranian people is the possibility that 15 years from now, um, we have a democratic and responsible government in, in Tehran that respects the rights of, of its citizens and respects international law and the, and the sovereignty of its neighbors. Um, what that would look like in terms of U.S. policy, uh, it would require much greater support for uh, Iranian civil society uh, and democratic activists and Iranian free media uh, than we've seen over the past couple of years when, in fact, we've uh, sort of cut back on some of the investments we were making in that area so as not to uh, alienate Tehran at the same time as we were trying to negotiate a nuclear deal with them. So a reinvestment um, in, in, in looking for uh, democratic change in, in Iran, I think, makes the most sense. Uh, in addition to trying to, to constrain Iranian nefarious activities in the region, which means um, checking uh, the flow of weapons from, from Iran to other groups, uh, as we've done uh, somewhat in, in, in Yemen uh, and in Syria, and trying to confront its proxies more, more aggressively wherever we can, including uh, Hezbollah, which is operating freely now in Syria, including the, the, the Assad regime in Damascus, and including in Yemen. Blaise Mishdal, Director of National Security for the Bipartisan Policy Center. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Madeline.